Today I'm going to talk about peace and joy, but I'll get there in a moment. Uh, peace and joy. Everybody say peace and joy. Now, this is a serious day today. Every sermon that Pastor Nathan and I preach has a backdrop. There's something going on in the room, in the world. That's why on Christmas Sunday, we preach a Christmas message. It would be senseless not to address what's going on in the world. And so sometimes pastors, because they are afraid to lose members, especially tithing, giving members, they treat church as if we were in a bubble zone and it really has nothing to do with anything going on in the world. And that's the most comfortable way because you don't, you're sure not to offend anyone. And most pastors, that is, or many pastors, I should say, that is what they really after, make sure they don't offend anybody because they want to keep the business going. But, you know, we look at it a little different. We are, we are messengers of God, and so we don't speak about politics, but we are aware of the world around us. We're aware that most likely this week there will be a war in Ukraine, and we have many friends, many believers, both Russians and Ukrainians. Maybe you'll have spirit-filled believers on both sides that may have to shoot at one another. We're aware of that. We're not living in a bubble so that you can go out of here Sunday morning and say, well, now I, I leave church and I go into the real world. This is the real world. We also, so there's a backdrop. You know, we have a backdrop of what's going on in our country. It's a reality. I go back to my, every, every New Year's Eve, I ask God to fill my spirit with an understanding of what the coming year and years will be like. And uh, so seven weeks ago, before we knew anything about any freedom convoy or most people had never heard about the Emergencies Act, I, I almost felt bad spending half my New Year's message, and I put something on the screen for you. I talked about in my message, I predict 2022, an unprecedented rage and anger in society and among believers. That was seven weeks ago. And, and I was there, why, why am I, and I talked about how uh, there is an ungodly rage, but there's also godly anger. I talked about how Jesus was angry. I talk, gave examples, I was says in one place that a certain person, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and got angry. And, and so there's different kinds of anger. And I'm not going to re-preach that even though I was tempted to, uh, but you can go back and get that message, I predict, uh, uh, 2022. And so we can all feel whatever you feel politically, we can feel an anger arising in us. In fact, I can only give my personal testimony. I can feel anger arise. And, you know, I don't like to dabble in politics. You know, I suppose if I have any friend in the current federal parliament, it is our representative right here, Michael Couteau, who represents the Liberal Party of Canada. He, him and I text once in a while. We meet for dinner or lunch every so often. And so I consider, I would say, we have some form of, of friendship. He's been here. And so I don't dabble in politics, but I can get angry about something. So I want to just say, and I think this is not politics, this is something you should know. That, for example, for the last two and a half years, I have felt the potential to anger towards our prime minister. Because in May 2019, Stephen Long, a pastor in the Canadian Baptist Federation, who has visited our Prime Minister three times, reported in May 2019, you can easily look this up, it's reported, that our Prime Minister said that evangelical Christians, that's you, born-again Christians, Christians who may feel that it would be better, certainly, 
if Canada was more aligned with Great Britain or Germany or the Netherlands when it comes to the abortion issue, rather than our country being aligned with North Korea and China and Cuba, uh, at least we would have temp some tempering. Our prime minister said about you, he talked about you, you represent the worst of Canada. I, I can feel a little bit angry on your behalf for that because some of you voted for him. And I understand that because people think that's part of you're an immigrant and rightfully or wrongly so. But I could feel, you know, that, that's, I understand it comes from a darkened mind, but that's a strong statement. So I want you to know. That's what's said about you. If you're an evangelical, means you're born again Christian who, who holds on to that. You represent in the views of our prime minister, you are the worst. You're the worst. Think about it. You. He's talking about you. You're the worst of Canadian society. Now that concerns me a little bit. I don't know if it concerns you. Especially when we see what means can be used against people who are in disagreement. So I'm saying, I'm preaching about peace and joy today. You can relax now. It'll get hot again, but you can relax. I saw you get off. You're like, oh, like this, you know. Don't worry. We'll hit a few hot spots again before this is done. I'm preaching about peace and joy. Because more than ever, what we need to do is that we are people of a different kingdom. And so, so I, I, I know I'm, I'm concerned. You know, I talked to one of our church members who's in Ottawa who has been at Parliament Hill many days, Bobby and Parik. I spoke to him on the way to church. His, his daughters used to sit at the sound booth there and, and do that, and you all know him. And he's been there. He told me about his visit yesterday in the evening. He was there. So, so I've had some, uh, you know, uh, uh, dealings with him, and, and he's a great brother, and so on and so forth. I mean, I, I'm concerned. You know, we know from, from psychology that whenever power is given to people, we know from the book Ordinary Man, which is a psychological study of how ordinary people in World War II, ordinary farmers, bakers, hairdressers, factory workers, could within a few weeks turn into people that could without seemingly hesitation put a bullet through the head of a Jewish baby. How does that happen? Nice guys. Ordinary men, you ought to read that book. You'll never again doubt that sin is a reality. And so the studies show that whenever powers are given, you have three groups of people. You have one group of people who don't want to participate in any brutality. And they may call in sick and say, I got a stomach pain, I got a headache, I can't, you know, they know there's something. That's one little group. Then you have the big group that don't really want to do what they're doing, but they go ahead. But then you also have, because they don't want to let their comrades down, then you have a little group that become thugs. I was concerned today to read some of the tweets from the members of the RCMP that were laughing about the woman uh, uh, who was trampled by the horse and kind of saying, let's do it again, let's do that again, let's, let's learn that maneuver. We're going to show Canadians jackboot on the ground. I'm not saying that's the police in general, but, but whenever you open up to powers, there will be some who will become very extreme. So, so I think we have a reason to pray for Canada. Now, you may be upset at me for saying these things, and I'm, I, I just expressed my friendship with one of the members of, of that particular party that our prime minister is from. So yeah, I'm trying to say to you, this has nothing to do with party politics. I'm saying our country needs help. Our country needs Jesus Christ, but it needs to start with us. And so I, I may touch on something. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand. 
But, but uh, I, so I want to talk a little bit, and I'm going to touch on some areas, but I'm talking about God's kingdom. Because we are not of this world, but we are in this world. We are, not, we are not monks and nuns that have withdrawn to the desert we live in Toronto, in case you didn't notice. And so I read from Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. You could say kingdom of God is not party politics, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is an easy three-pointer, but I'm going to skip the first point because we preach so much, Nathan and I, about how we are righteous through Christ. So I felt I'm going to focus on peace and joy. Jesus knew that in the world we would have tribulation. He knew that after he had gone back to the Father, his disciples would face all kinds of trouble. And Jesus showed great interest that even when he was gone and he had sent the Holy Spirit, that his people would live in peace. Everybody say peace. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Have you felt like maybe there was an attack on your peace? I'm sure you have. Lots of things can take away your peace. We look at wars maybe in Europe. We look at situation here. Tyna and I have probably one of our drainage pipes. That's further stress. I don't know what's going on in your life. There may be some personal thing. But we all have attacks on our peace. But I want to remind you, you have peace. Enjoy it. You may think you don't have peace, but Jesus said... My peace I give to you. So maybe you don't feel like it. Maybe you say, I need peace. But Jesus says, you have it. He says, my peace I give to you. Now in the world and in a human relationship situation, peace is the absence of war or conflict. As long as you don't have war or conflict, you have peace. But, but see, Jesus is not saying there's never going to be any war or any conflict. He's saying there's another kind of peace, an inward tranquility that is from the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Holy Spirit, and it belongs to us. I want you to think about that. You have peace. Maybe you haven't activated it. Maybe the circumstances have been allowed to crowd out your peace, but you have it. It says in Ephesians 2.14, he himself is our peace. It says in Romans 15, 33, the God of peace be with you. And so you may feel a storm blowing all around you, but I'm alerting you to your true self. It may be that God knows you better than you know yourself. And Jesus says, I've given you your peace. So, so, so enjoy it. Let's see how it works. Mark 4. Let us, Jesus says, let us cross over to the other side. And a great windstorm arose. Maybe that's how you feel. And the waves beat into the boat. So it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Oh, Jesus must have really cared, didn't he? Asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And there was a great calm. So I want you to observe here that the circumstantial peace, you can see it there, was disturbed, but not the peace, capital P. So the circumstances were stormy, but the peace, capital P, was not disturbed. And he is your peace. 
I'm helping you to focus on this. Your peace may feel disturbed. You have the peace, capital P, living in you. Focus on that. Meditate on that. Even, you know, there's a man in the Bible called Job. It's a very old story, long before Jesus came. And he had all kinds of misfortunes come to him. You could say he lost his peace. His wife lost her peace. There was a lot of loss of peace. And sometimes people say, well, I'm just like Job. No, you're not. The devil was involved. God allowed some misfortunes to happen. Does God allow misfortunes to happen? Absolutely. Jesus said to Simon Peter that, you know, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed that your faith will not fail. He didn't say, I'm going to stop the devil. He says, no, I I pray for you. But there's a difference between us and Job, whose peace was disturbed, and that is we have Jesus Christ. He didn't see that the devil was defeated. He didn't see his authority as a believer. He felt like he was just a victim tossed back and forth. But I'm reminding you that there are many fiery darts that will be shot at your mind. But when they are shot towards you, you take the shield of faith whereby you will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You have something that Job didn't have. So you're not God's Job. You're a new covenant believer. It says in in John 12, 31, Jesus said concerning his impending death on the cross, now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So I want you to know that all the enemy can do is when the storm blows, the storms are coming. But in the storm, the enemy's trick is to deceive your mind so that you forget the peace, capital P, who lives in you. I'm preaching to remind you that he is your peace. And so when negativity comes, you know, different people react differently. You know, they tell us that there are sanguine, choleric, melancholic, uh, what are the other ones, phlegmatic personality. There's even one, a supine personality. And so I don't know, I'm not a psychologist to tell you your personality type. But I know different people react differently when they're under stress or their peace is gone. Some people, they talk all the time. They just talk trouble everywhere. They're on the phone constantly. Others completely withdraw within themselves and even, you know, put on a big smile. Oh, everything's cool. But inside, they're just like broken apart. Others, you know, begin to take on imagination. All they can hear is, and, and they have select, get selective hearing when they're under stress. They can hear nothing good. They only hear bad things, only hear bad things. I don't know which personality type you are. I barely know which one I am myself. And even the little I know about that, I'm not going to tell you. I asked Tina yesterday, which type are you? And she told me. Not that I didn't know. I already knew. But anyhow, I hope she she knows mine. But I want you to know whatever personality type you are, Christ is in you. And so that person who has a personality, you talk all the time, phone everybody and talk your problems, maybe the Jesus in you will say, hang up the phone and worship me. Maybe the person who is just withdrawing and you're seething with anger inside and have a big smile. Uh, uh, Maybe the Jesus who is the capital P peace in you will say, ease up a little bit. You have nothing to prove. Let me flow through you. How many know that Jesus is our peace? Now, as I was pondering this, 
I almost hated to quote the next verse because Pastor Nathan has quoted it this year. I have already quoted it previously on one occasion this year. And I'm saying, how many times can the people in TICC hear the same scripture verse? And then I felt like an explosion in my heart saying, this is a verse that people need right now. This is, so let me give it to you. It's Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart to which you also were called in one body and be thankful. Stay with the body of Christ and let the peace rule in your heart because one of the dumbest things we can do is to make decisions when we are upset. So make sure your peace is in balance before you make any, any decisions. You know, Jesus had a lot of reasons. Paul had a lot of reasons to have their peace disturbed. They lived in a land that was occupied. They suffered betrayal, personal attacks, persecution. And so here it says, let, let the peace. In other words, it doesn't say receive the peace or have an impartation of peace. It doesn't say have the preacher pray for you and impart peace. The whole presupposition is that Jesus told the truth when he said, my peace I give unto you. So then Paul says, let the peace. He doesn't say pray for it. Have someone else pray for you. He said, let the peace you have. Become aware of it. You have peace, capital P, in spite of the circumstantial lack of peace. You have it inside of you. Let that peace of God rule. So you participate. Let it be the empire. Uh, uh, let it rule your heart. See, it, it, Jesus said here, peace be still. Everybody say, peace be still. Now, now, stillness inside is what we desire. Stillness inside means that, that uh, you know, we are free from anguish or grief. We are aware of situations. We can look at the world around us. We can look at our own situation. And yet somehow in all of this, we say, I have peace inside. Now, the storm is the absence of stillness. The storm is anguish. It is it is all kinds of hurt feelings. It is turmoil. And that's when negativity takes over. So I'm saying again, I'm reminding you, if it's the third or fourth time this year, whatever you're feeling, unrest, don't make a decision until you know that the peace, capital P, is front and center. How many feel like maybe your peace has been under attack? That reality, how many feel like, like, like you've been disturbed. Maybe you wake up at night and you say, I don't know what to do. Lift your hand. Let me see how many would say, I feel like, I, I can say that. I, I felt some of that. Lift your hand way up high. I, I want everybody now. You see hands going up. I want us to thank God right now. Everybody, would you pray with me? Would you say like this, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge by the words of my mouth and the faith in my heart that you yourself, you are my peace. The God of peace rules my heart. Hallelujah. Oh, give Jesus big praise. Give Jesus big praise. The kingdom of God is peace in the Holy Spirit. And so with everything going on, we still have peace. We can still smile. Then it says the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. I say, my, you, you have joy, use it. I like the joyous music we were singing. I like this. Made me sing of songs. This peace that I have, 
this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. You, you see, Jesus said in John 15, These things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So joy is a gift from Jesus. And he says, I've said certain things. I'll get to that in a moment. So that the joy will remain with you. It will stay with you. You will be perpetually joyous. And not only joyous, but you'll be full of joy. Now, joy is different than happiness. Happiness is excitement due to favorable circumstances. So, for example, on your birthday, you're happy because of all the presents you got. Things are looking favorable. You got a new car, you're happy. You're feeling all bubbly. You're going to the dealership or wherever to pick up the car. Oh, that, that's happiness. Uh, you are happy because you got a pay raise. You're happy because you're getting married. You're happy because you're going on a vacation. It's been so long. Uh, but, you know, that can change. Look at sports. We've been watching some sports. You know, there's somebody who is expecting the gold medal, and then they trip and fall on the figure skating, and they just, the happiness is gone. It just left like that. The happiness and the expectation of favorable circumstances, suddenly it's not there. Somebody expected to be on the podium for a medal, but, but missed up, and, and, and they're just collapsing. But, you see, that, that, that's, that's happiness. Happiness can come and go. God's kingdom it's a kingdom of joy in the Holy Spirit. Give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand for that. It, it means when the circumstances are the worst or terrible, there's still joy. You may not be happy. People say, are you happy, Peter? Of course I'm not happy. I'm very unhappy right now. Haven't you figured that out? I'm unhappy with all kinds of things going on in Canada. I'm unhappy with things in the world. I'm unhappy with my drain pipe. I'm, uh, what else am I unhappy with? Uh, but uh, maybe you're unhappy about something. I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy about many things. I could, I could go on and on if I was a politician. You have no idea what I could say here. But, but I'm unhappy about many things, but I still have joy in the Holy Spirit because joy doesn't change due to circumstances. And I have joy. Well, I'll give you reasons why I have joy in a moment. See. And, and so Jesus said, these things have I told you, I've spoken to you, that you may have joy. Well, what were the things he had spoken? I was quoting from John 15. He said he had just told them the story about the vine and the branch, that you are the branches, you're grafted into the vine, the vine is Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, the reason I gave you this teaching, we all know that teaching, is so that your joy would be full. No matter what is going on, no matter what you see around you, you can rejoice in this. I am identified with Christ. Christ's life flows through me. I am a branch, healing, healing life, joyous life is flowing through me. Praise God. Paul picked it up and he said like this in Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You say, why does he say it like twice in the same sentence? Well, I guess repetition. Because Paul knew that we would object. We would say, hey, excuse me, Mr. Paul, the apostle, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what I'm facing right now. So he says it twice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 
And see, what I'm talking about is sometimes Christians have kind of a religious, legalistic kind of joy and even peace, you know, because we have been taught in church how we should behave, right? You should be loving, you should be full of peace, you should be full of joy. And so sometimes Christians take that legalistically. So you say to someone, how are you doing today? Oh, blessed and highly favored. I didn't ask for a lesson in theology. I know that in Christ you are blessed and highly favored. I asked, how are you? How are you doing today? I didn't ask how Jesus in you is doing. I know you can have a grumpy day and Jesus is not grumpy. I know that you can have a very unhappy day, but Jesus isn't unhappy. So sometimes people say, how are you, brother? Oh, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Oh, what a wonderful brother. He just has the same, uh, you could just have like a, a, a player, a CD player, just repeating and put it on a loop, you know. I didn't ask if God is good. I asked, how are you? How are you? So, so I'm not talking about this legalistic behavioral training like a Pavlov's dog. I can train my dog sit, stay, and she obeys only short term, which is about the same as Christians. Be joyous, be peaceful, be loving, and short term, at least when we are in church, we can obey. Hey, look how I, I did good. I even raised my hand. I feel yucky inside, but I raised my hand. See, see sometimes the people who act so, they have this plastic, legalistic, religious peace and joy. You know, they're the most angry people you ever meet. You say, well, I've never seen so-and-so ever get excited. They're so even kill. Oh, you better watch. Underneath that surface, the pot is boiling. That's why I thought I'd tell you, I'm unhappy right now. Don't look at me like that. But I'm full of joy. I'm full of peace. But I'm unhappy with some things. I'm unhappy to see um, some things going on. I'm not going to pretend, oh, everything is wonderful. Yeah, I'm blessed and highly favored, but if you ask me how I'm doing, I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy with words that are spoken. I'm unhappy about people being, uh, you know, vilified. I'm unhappy about people who come across, really are like underdogs being stepped upon. I'm unhappy about that. But I got the joy of the Lord. I got lots of reason to be joyous. If you hang around me, I don't walk around like, you can ask Tina, she can verify it. Nobody knows you better than your spouse. I'm not walking around grumpy. And, but, but because I have something much greater than the circumstantial currents, I have the peace of God and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Come on. Somebody get excited about that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let me give you. Jesus said, I give you my joy. Well, I could give you a hundred reasons to rejoice in the Bible if I was to cover the whole, but I give you some of Jesus' personal reasons for joy. He says in Luke 10, 17, I told Nathan I would preach very short. That's always dangerous to say. But let's see, I'm doing good so far. Luke 10, 17, it says the 70, there were 70 disciples of Jesus, returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's great. 
And then he says, nevertheless, in spite of that great authority for the believer, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That is Jesus' advice. We have a reason to be joyous because I'm identified with Christ. I have a relationship. We rejoice in relationship. I am identified with Him. There you have one good reason. Let me give you another one. Joy in relationship. I said joy in revelation. Jesus said in Luke 10, 20, 10 21, if you want to know what makes Jesus joyous, it says Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. Remember, Jesus was anointed with gladness. He was the happy fellow as opposed to the Pharisees. And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and you reveal them to babes. You know that you're one of Jesus' babes? Think about that. He's revealed himself to you. He says, I'm rejoicing that people that, you know, People didn't think they were the ones who were going to get it. They thought that all the big scribes and Pharisees in Jerusalem would get it. But he says, those who seem like nothing, God has chosen them. That those who thought they were something, they will be proven to be nothing. So that no flesh should glory in his presence. But all the glory would go to Jesus Christ. So Jesus is rejoicing. And, and then he says, John 8, 56, he says, your father Abraham was overjoyed to see my day, and he saw it and rejoiced. So even Abraham, thousands of years earlier, he had a revelation of Jesus Christ, and he was overjoyed. So Jesus rejoices in our revelation of him. I want to tell you, I'm so happy. In, 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 I say that not as in the external circumstances, but I'm happily joyous, I should say, in the fact that God's kingdom has come. I'm so joyous in the gospel of Jesus Christ that this revelation has come to us that there is a new order. There's a new kingdom. There's a new king in the land. There's a new sheriff in town. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so happy and joyous, both happy and joyous in that sense, but mostly joyous when I think about that we Come on, Toronto Celebration Church, World Impact Ministries families, we rule and reign with Jesus Christ until all enemies have been put under his feet. The ultimate victory is certain. Every enemy will be put under his feet. And every knee shall bow, every tongue confesses. Well, how wonderful that is. What a victorious the truth that is. And you say, well, it's not happening right now. That's right. Because right now we are ruling and reigning with Jesus. We are there. We know who's going to win this. We are not grumpy and saying, oh, God is mad at our country. No, we say God is smiling on Canada. What we are seeing is people are hungry. People are daring to show their hunger for spiritual realities more than ever. This is our day. We rejoice. Revelation is coming concerning Jesus Christ. So we are not... We are not finger-wagging. We are not the spiritual police that is saying, Oh, Canada, oh, God's not happy with you. That's not us. We are carriers of good news. I'm reminded of what Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus later on, Paul. He said, I'm sending you, Acts 26, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. 
that we may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance by faith in me. And that's our calling. He says here, I'm sending you to open their eyes. Look at it. Who's going to open people's eyes? Is God going to do it? No, that's not what it says. Is the Holy Spirit going to do it? That's not what it says. It says we're going to do it. Now, the Holy Spirit is our helper. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. But he said, I'm sending you to open their eyes. Amen. We got to let that light shine. We open the people's eyes. I mean, all that's wrong with our politicians, many of them, is they haven't discovered the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray. I pray from the prime minister's office down to premiers and, and all over the country. I pray that the light of the gospel is going to shine. That makes all the difference. But we are to, to open their eyes. We're to open their eyes. And I'm very concerned about that. You know, in the, my New Year's Eve sermon, I shared with you a statistic by Alpha Canada. Many of you are familiar with the Alpha program. Very credible people. And they had done a survey with over 2,000 pastors and leaders in Canada, mostly churches like ours. And in that group, 31% of pastors said that they disagreed. They disagreed with sharing the gospel with people from the non-Christian religions in the hope that they would come to Christ. They didn't say they just didn't do it, but they disagreed with it. See, so, so I'm saying we need to open people's eyes. We have a calling here. I'm so happy for our church. I'm so happy for our lead pastor, Nathan, here. You know, we, we found out, and this almost shocked us, we have tried in this time, you know, other than suing the government, which we did a year and a 14 months ago, and we were happy with that lawsuit because after that, the government of Ontario have treated churches exactly the same way they treat Walmart and Costco and the box stores. We didn't get everything we wanted, but I'm glad we did that lawsuit. It was good. It was good. But our church, basically, we, we, we have full of compassion. If people don't want to come because they're afraid of the thing, you know, the thing uh, starts with C, ends with a D. <laughs> you, can, you can figure out. And we understand that. We even have an online service, not this service, another pre-recorded online service. This is the live thing. Are you glad you came for the live thing? But, but, but we have taken the attitude that, that as soon as we are, can open, we, 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 didn't, we didn't go into civic, civil disobedience. There may be a time for that, but we didn't choose that way. Others did, but we didn't. We did what we did. But we have tried to say... Uh, this is important. We have a message. We have a revelation of Jesus. So I've been very concerned even in our own city. I understand that last June when the government said you can open church, whatever they gave us, 30, 50%. I forget now there's so many changes. You know, science changes all the time. You never know where they're at. Uh, um, many churches didn't open. They stayed closed for five, six months. Opened just before Christmas. And, and I frankly understand it. You know, when we had lockdowns, even I myself, even yours truly. I, I, I know what it's like to Sunday morning wear a pajama till 10.30. And, and, and there's a certain charm to that, to, to have your, your house coat on and your flannel wintry pajama pants. Come on now, don't look at me like that. Like, you, you, you know, there's a certain thing here. We kind of had an online service, you know, going on. And then we sit down there and I sit in my house coat and my, my flannel pajama pants, which my daughter and her husband gave me for Christmas a couple of years ago. My favorite really warm ones, they over there. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm saying I'm even watching myself. But I, it's kind of, how many know that that wasn't hard to get used to? 
Thank you. There's about three honest people here. Don't look at me. That wasn't hard. I mean, you can really feel this is the groove. Look what I've been missing. Poor me. I've been a preacher my whole life. I started my first sermon when I was 16 years old. And I've, every Sunday, I wonder what people do on Sundays. I just go to church. I used to preach three times a Sunday. I mean, this was like, woo, flannel pajamas, Sunday morning. And then after we were done, kind of go into the shower or have you or whatever, you just kind of, it was easy to get used to. So I understand churches say, well, probably it was the pastor who thought, well, you know, maybe I'm enjoying this. Pancakes at 1030, this is great. Let's keep this going. I mean, it's not so, but you see, so I'm not saying I'm, I'm not understanding it. Are you still out there? Well, we watch online. Sure you do. Five minutes. Then the phone rings and it's your aunt from England calling. He said, oh, I missed everything. But I watched for five. It's different than you're here. You come here now. I don't see any phones. But put, them, put away your phone if you're playing on it right now. I don't want any solitaire games going on while I'm preaching. But, but at least it's not open. Are you with me? And, and so I understand that. But I'm, so, so why didn't we do that? You think that Pastor Nathan and I are so holy? That we couldn't enjoy a Sunday off? No, that's not it. But because we have something more, there's something greater, there's something more forceful inside of us than the comfort. We don't deny the comfort of it. There's something deep down inside of us that says we are essential. The church of Jesus Christ is a salt and a light. We, we, we must rise up. And so we said, if it's just us two, and thank God, Jermaine. Where are you, Jermaine? He, he came here as well. God bless you. I don't want to forget you, Jermaine. I said, we'll just sing to ourselves. And if everybody would have gotten COVID, I guess one of us could have made it. I prayed by myself. So I'm we need a, well, anyhow. So all that, let me segue into what I'm going to say next. For, for two years, you know, the Lord has been speaking to me about our Bible school, World Impact Bible Institute. And you just saw that student from Indonesia who testified that somebody from the school's outreach group prayed for her mother. I think it was. She was healed of cancer. She got saved. Now she's a student. I leaned over to Tyne. I said, I'm sure glad that back in 1988, I started World Impact Bible Institute because I had no idea that in 2022, I would hear a testimony like that. That's the ministry of the school. So we ran the school. We have 3,500 plus graduates around the world. In 2014, we stopped taking in students here in, in, in Canada, and, and we just expanded. We have seven campuses around the world. But then the last couple of years, the Lord has been speaking to me when I see the situation, when I see the need of the harvest, when I see how people's eyes need to be opened to the revelation of who God is. I've been feeling this strong urge. We need to relaunch in, in Toronto. I mean, we have a whole nation living in GTAs, big as many European nations. Never mind students from across the country. So September 2022, that's a few months from now, we are relaunching the World Impact Bible Institute campus here in Toronto. Praise God for that. And the key thing to me was to find the right leader who would be the principal, the dean of students. And we had asked several people. Some were maybe interested. Others were very interested. We, we were talking to people out west. They were willing to move here, etc. And then I was looking for a senior editor to help me 
um, you know, uh, edit all kinds of things, books and magazine, everything we do. And I came across Joseph Addy. Put his picture up so everybody can see Joseph. And, and, and I wasn't even talking to him about the Bible school, but the Lord put it in my heart. He's the one. And so he has his necessary university degrees. He's currently a pastor at People's Church. We love the People's Church. You know how the People's Church founder, Oswald J. Smith, profoundly impacted my life. We love that church. He's been he's still for two weeks on staff there, but he will be joining us next month, and he will be the head of the Bible school. He has his master's degree in divinity, all the necessary things if we want to pursue uh, more recognition. And so I want to alert you, we are starting. Not because we need another school, not because we need another program, but because eyes need to be opened to see the reality of the gospel. So I want to say to you, if you're a high school student graduating, get ready. If you're a person at the crossroad, you say there's something going on. I feel like I need to prepare myself. If you're a retired person, maybe you're retired. You say, all my life I had a hunger. I wanted to, you know, pursue, study more, uh, you know, strengthen myself, grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we welcome you. It's amazing what God can do. We just, uh, I just conducted, it was part of a funeral service for a 93-year-old couple, and he came to Bible school just after him and his wife both came right after they had retired, and then they served the Lord for the next 30 years of their life. Uh, I tell you, there's life after retirement. There is refirement. Uh, so students coming out of high school, wherever, get ready. Some of you live close to here. Maybe you can rent out a room. You'll get full pay, and, and we can get involved with this. We can run with this gospel, and so we are starting this because there's a need in our country, not because we need another program. But we are concerned, and the gospel must be heard in our country. I thank God for the, oh, give the Lord Jesus praise. God. Okay, how am I doing? They have a clock here. How am I doing on my short sermon? Oh, not very good. Okay, I will hasten through the last point. Are you with me? This is going to go so fast that if you blink or go to the washroom, we'll all be out of here, all right? So I said there is joy in relationship, there is joy in revelation, and there is joy in restoration. Everybody shout restoration. It says about, Jesus talks about the shepherd. When he had found the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And he calls together friends and neighbors, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. Likewise, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no changing of mind, so they think. Later on, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice, for I found the peace which is I lost. Likewise, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who changes his mind, who repents. That's what repent means. Prodigal son, bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. This is the time to be merry. I almost say to be married, but you know, that, that may be, you can take it that if that's for you. Uh, but to be merry. And then it says they were complaining they were too happy. You know, there's always religious people think that we shouldn't be happy and joyous and rejoicing because I can make myself happy even though I'm unhappy about the situation. It says, so Jesus said, the father says, it is right that we should make merry and be glad. So I want you to know, I gave you some startling facts in the beginning. I'm concerned what freedoms are given to, say, the police. Many, most of them are very good people. But as we learn from the story of the ordinary men that study, 
What happens when powers without impunity, or with impunity, I should say, is given, then it can easily be abused. I'm concerned. We receive reports from all over the world. People are saying, what's happening to Canada? People are in shock. My dear friend Bobby Anparik, who I talked to from my church, who was in Ottawa last night on Parliament Hill, he was telling me things I don't even want to repeat it. Shocked. People are shocked. And so these, these are, but, but, but we're not grumpy about it. We're not saying, oh, God is mad at Canada. No. We have peace and joy. We're from a different kingdom. And so many in the world feel overwhelmed. Whatever side they're on, on the political spectrum, whatever they feel for or against the freedom convoy, people feel mad. But as I said on New Year's Eve, we're not going to be mad and angry like the world. We're going to be angry about the things that Jesus is angry about. He kicked over the table in the temple when religious bigots tried to stop the way of grace for common people. That's the thing that ought to fire us up. And I believe God is calling us. And I want to tell you this, whether you think things are bad or good, let's remember this, that without Nebuchadnezzar, there would never have been Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Without Nebuchadnezzar, there would not have been the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Without Goliath, there may never have been a young David with a sling and a stone. Without the evil Haman, there may never have been a Queen Esther. And I tell you, whether things are bad or good, when they don't look so good, remember that God is calling us for a time such as this. And you are involved. Hallelujah. We pray. Come on, stand up all over this place right now. I better quit here while I'm ahead. 